Hello, Monetization Nation. Customers today are more informed than ever before. With the accessibility of online information before they make a buying decision, they study their options and educate themselves. By the time a sales rep contacts a customer, they have already identified specific solutions for their needs. The source for that is CSO Insights. Research has found that customers are 57% through their purchase process before they make any meaningful contact with a sales rep. The source for that is Gartner. Brian Mitchell, my guest for today, is a sales challenger model expert. This model is a sales approach in which the seller challenges the potential customers. Brian is also an associate partner with Leeds Online Marketing. He served four years in the United States Marine Corps before he worked at AT&T, leading a team that transitioned the company from Yellow Pages to the digital world. Brian led the sales enablement team for YP.com, which was a top 30 digital property. His department sold more than $30 million in digital ad revenue annually. Today, Brian and I discuss the tectonic shift of the Yellow Pages, which he has witnessed. Brian will also teach us about the Challenger sales model. Quote, sales organizations can increase business by challenging customers, delivering customer interactions specifically designed to disrupt their current thinking and teach them something new. It's not just about selling something anymore, unquote. The source for that is Brent Adamson. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. So first, can you tell us something that you are super passionate about? I am super passionate about helping small and medium-sized businesses. Um, I grew up in a household where my dad owned a small business. Um, it was handed down from his father, my great-grandfather, so at an early age, I was exposed to the inner workings of owning and operating a business. So for me, naturally, it just led into partnering with small and medium-sized businesses in the local communities to help them navigate the challenges of being great, growing their business. Okay. So when you started with AT&T, um, they had a huge business of of going out and selling businesses to put ads in their yellow pages, then printing those yellow pages and distributing that. Can you comment at all about how successful those businesses were? You know, why did those businesses run, spend so much money running ads in the yellow pages? I think you look at number one is the return on investment. Um, oftentimes uh, you can start out with a small in-column ad and that would generate enough business for that year to then evaluate next year's marketing budget and increase it or stay the same depending on how the return was. And you would often um, understand the challenges that uh, separated them from being great and said, you know, consulted with uh, them on, on areas of opportunity and said, look, let's maybe take out a bigger ad or let's diversify into digital um, and maybe those areas could then drive more exposure. So as we developed and moved into a digital era, we were looking about at transparency. 
you know, it goes back to the 90-10 rule. 10% of the tools that are out there, everybody's got, but it's that 90% of how we deliver the product, how we back it up. And um, often in some points of the business, we were able to um, put in performance measurements. So we were actually able to set a number of leads that would come in each month. And if we didn't produce that number, we would place additional advertising to get that owner those number of leads. So it was really a good process that we had. Uh, we went to market with it and was very sustainable in helping us grow our market share. And this is as you transition to digital, correct? Correct, yes. All right, let's talk about the challenger sales model. Um, what, what is the challenger sales model? That's a great question. The challenger sales model is, it looked, you know, back in the, in the early, mid to 2000s, in particular in 2008 with the recession, there were still companies out there with record-breaking sales. And so a group looked at, you know, how are these record-breaking sales being made in a recession? And what they found was that the, the sales folks were presenting ideas and solutions based on information and data. So basically doing your homework, understanding the, the landscape of a plumber, an attorney, a painter, whatever their challenges are, we were able to go in and develop a plan, a marketing plan, and, and, and have a solutions-based offering versus just a, a bundle. So it addressed needs of maybe they needed more branding. Maybe it was, you know, how do we grow market share? How do we get more traffic to the front door or the website? So it was a combination of, of a solutions-based approach based on who that individual was. You had to know who you're in front of. Are you in front of a driver? Are you in front of somebody that's laid back, that's not maybe as passive aggressive? So understanding who was across the table from you and doing your homework to really present a solution that was gonna provide a solid, solid ROI. So that's kind of the high level uh, behind the challenger sales model. So why would businesses today want to look at the challenger sales model? What are the biggest benefits to them? It's a process. You follow a process. Um, oftentimes, I think, especially in the past year, uh, 2020 has really challenged business processes. And what the challenger model presents is you can take an introvert or an extrovert and follow this process and you're going to be successful in the marketplace and selling your product or service. And really what it comes down to is taking advantage of your strengths. So if you're an introvert, oftentimes introverts make the best salespeople, right? They're, you know, due diligence, they do their homework, they're well-prepared, they're organized. And then you're able, although you may have that stage fright of getting in front of the, the decision maker, that's, those are some of the things that you, you can work on from a presentation standpoint. But the challenger model really drives in and, and, and has hard conversations with the business owner about the pain points that are holding them back from being great. And, and so for me and my team, what we were able to do is, is, is lay it out on the line and, and say, you know what, this is what I see in terms of your overall marketing plan. Here's some strengths, here's some weaknesses, and here's some opportunities that we can go after and have a solid conversation around that. Yep. I, I looked up some statistics prior to this interview about the challenger sales model. 
Okay, so the first statistic is that 40% of high sales performers primarily used a challenger style and that high performers were more than two times more likely to use the challenger approach than any other approach. So it's, and they, they were, the study was pretty critical about relationship-driven sales. I kind of grew up saying that relationship-driven sales were the best. And it showed that, that those were used a, a very small fraction of the time uh, compared to the high performers who use the challenger method. Why do you think the challenger method is so much more effective than some of the other traditional sales methods? Nathan, I'm with you. Initially, when I was presented with this in 2015 of the challenger sales model, um, I said, no way. I'm a relationship guy. I, hate, I shake hands. I build rapport, develop trust. So for me, I think it's a blend of the relationship skills with the challenger sales model that's allowed me to be successful. But let's take somebody that, that um, is really good at relationships but isn't closing sales. Right? It's about business. It's about the bottom line. It's not about I'm going to hurt your feelings or make you feel good. So the challenger sets out, know that industry, know every parameter within that industry, what can go sideways, and then you, you have a conversation with the business owner about what makes their business separate them from the competition. How do they differentiate? Those are the key factors is differentiation and being amiable to change. So when you have that confidence and you walk in and you follow the steps of the challenger sale, you're going to hit a home run. Like you said, home run. I, I'm, you know, I'm not big into home runs. I, I like to get on, on base and, and maybe still and, and, and get around. But the thing is, is you don't have um, really an opportunity to fail with the challenger sales model because you're engaging that individual that's going to make the decision with facts and with data and with a, with a, with a sound strategy to attack that. And you may say, well, okay, yeah, I mean, that sounds pretty simple. Why isn't everybody doing that? Well, I, I think a sales team or a sales force that maybe listens to the audio book and then, you know, or reads the, the challenger sales model and then tries to go apply it is going to fail at it. It's something that you have to develop. Like I was saying, mentioning to you earlier, ahead of the interview um, regarding um, how I, I saw myself once up until 2015 when I learned about the challenger sales, I felt like I had been selling that way well before I was introduced to the challenger sales because that was natural for me with you know, my background and, and growing up in a small business environment, you know, take those relationships and then apply this process and it's really a solid recipe for success. Yeah. Why do you think that the challenger model is better than other models with this new uh, educated customer? Yeah. And that's a great question. and Great point. I think it's regardless of where they are in the funnel, you want to have some kind of representation. You want to be in front of them, whether it's early in the buying cycle and they're just doing a couple of searches or it's later in the buying funnel when they've got armed with the information or you also want to look at what kind of searches they're doing. Is it a navigation search? Is it a destination search? Is it an information search? All of those factors play into, am I going to get an opportunity to get a call or a click, right? So helping and educating 
that business owner on the farm in that marketing plan? What kinds of marketing and advertising do I have to do within that? So for us, our product was advertising and marketing. Um, maybe it's a printer, computer, or product that you're selling. It's really no different. You're trying to educate, inform, and make recommendations that are going to drive a return on investment um, that's you know, going to be based on their, on their goals. What are the pros and cons of the Challenger sales method? I think the pros of it, obviously, from my experience, is we were able to grow digital ad revenue. Uh, we were able to come with a fresh, um, insightful approach that uh, often typically our clients had not heard from us. Uh, some of the cons of it, if, if not managed appropriately and training isn't um, followed up and some role play with, with the folks in the front lines of, of how they're uh, communicating and talking to the client um, could be left upon their own to go different directions um, and take the, the sales call down a path that uh, is not going to lead to a close. So instituting the sales challenger model is definitely a, a process that's been proven. And as you follow it and develop it, it's just going to continue to help you help your clients. Tell me how using reframe can turn a sales team into challengers. By reframing, you're able to, we all come from different backgrounds, ethnicities. So when I say something, it may be perceived differently. So by reframing it, you're able to look at it maybe in a different way that the, the decision maker or maybe the marketing director hadn't thought of it in the past. That was always one of the things I went in. Really, my goal was to ask a question or talk about something that made them think of something or that idea that they had never thought of previously, right? That is a moment really in the reframing and, and developing uh, areas of expertise that, that helps significantly. So the sales challenger model really walks you down and checks that box um, to help you ultimately in the end close the sale. Okay. Can you think of any stories of companies that have implemented the challenger method and seen great results? I think the yellow pages, yp.com. Um, you know, in 2014 and 2015, as we were shifting from a print-centric product well on to that digital migration for the sales force of over a thousand individuals, it, it really allowed us, using their words as a reframe within the model, to look, in, look at our clients differently and um, understand, you know, with my business background, I naturally look at everything through the lens of the business owner and, you know, running the operations. Uh, but for maybe somebody that's um, relatively new into sales, by following this model, you can become the expert without having to put your stripes in over the years to gain that information and knowledge. The model, the challenger sales model will bring you up to, to speed quickly in a short period of time without having the experience. It's going to require some homework. It's going to require some role playing, some, some challenging conversations, but ultimately you're going to be a better consultant for that business um, in, the, in the end. Thank you so much, Brian, for sharing your stories and knowledge with us today. 
Here are some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, today, customers are more informed than ever before. That's why we need to offer our customers a buying experience that goes beyond product selling. Number two, the challenger sales model helps us engage with our customers at any stage in their buying cycle. Number three, relationship sales skills are very important, but the challenger sales model may be able to provide even more results. Number four, the challenger model is more about doing business, which comes with knowing our customer's industry and every parameter within it. Number five, when we follow the challenger sales model, it brings us up to speed in a short period of time, even if we don't have the experience to start. If you enjoyed this interview and want to learn more about Brian or connect with him and his company, you can find him on LinkedIn or visit his website, mitchellbryan.com. And there's a link to both of these pages on the blog post for this episode. Did you like today's episode? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, get a free monetization assessment of your business or subscribe to the free monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com. Number two, please subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast and YouTube channel. And number three, please follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. What has been your experience with the Challenger sales model? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining us for this episode. I hope you have a fabulous day. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.